Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim In the name of Allah, the most beneficent, the most merciful The Islamic Propagation Office at Rabwa www.islamhouse.com Is pleased to present to you this lecture وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله يا أيها الذين آمنوا اتقوا الله حق تقاته ولا تموتن إلا وأنتم مسلمون يا أيها الناس اتقوا ربكم الذي خلقكم من نفس واحدة وخلق منها زوجها وبث منهما رجالا كثيرا ونساء واتقوا الله الذي تساءلون به والأرحام إن الله كان عليكم رقيبا يا أيها الذين آمنوا اتقوا الله وقولوا قولا سديدا يصلح لكم أعمالكم ويغفر لكم ذنوبكم ومن يطع الله ورسوله فقد فاز فوزا عظيما اما بعد فان اصدق الحديث كلام الله وخير الهدي هدي محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وشر الامور محدثاتها فان كل محدثه بدعه وكل بدعه ضلاله وكل ضلاله في النار وانما توعدون لات وما انتم بمعجزين praise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and he's the only one worthy of praise seek his help his guidance and his forgiveness. I believe in him and I trust him and seek refuge in Almighty Allah from the evil of our passion. Indeed, whomsoever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala guides him to Islam, no one can mislead him after Allah, and whomsoever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala brought him astray, no one can guide him after Allah. I testify openly that there is no deity worthy of worship except Allah Rabbil Alameen, and I testify that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is his messenger and the seal of all the prophets. O Muslims, you must know that the best speech is the speech of Almighty Allah, which is the Quran. The best guidance is the course of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam, which is his sunnah. The words of all affairs is innovation and addition to the religion of Islam. Indeed, every addition to the religion of Islam will lead to hellfire. I adjure you as well as myself to fear Allah subhanahu wa taala. To the best of your ability, fear Allah and don't die unless you are in a state of Islam. After this, I greet you all with the greeting of Islam. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. May the peace and the blessing of Almighty Allah be with you all. And I would like to give you the good news that this is the last and final lecture for today. And I would like to say congratulations for taking uh, your place against the wall and start getting ready to recline and take a nap. So, may Allah help me to keep me awake while you take a nap. This is a very important subject and today I choose a different message about my lecture. Instead of giving my presentation, I choose to translate one of the great scholars. In actuality, we have two great scholars here, one from the past and one from the future. This from the collection of Imam Al-Nawawi, rahmatullahi alayhi. This is one of the great scholars in the past, and he have a lot of Islamic books. And one of the most common and well-known books that in the market that almost everybody in every language using it is Kitab Riyadh al-Salihin, The Garden of the Righteousness. So I choose to present my topic today from his book, Riyadh al-Salihin. And I choose to give the explanation of the chapter by Sheikh Ibn Uthaymeen, Muhammad bin Salih al-Uthaymeen, rahmatullahi alayhi, which one of the great scholars of our modern time, he passed recently, 
May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala send mercy on his soul. And the subject is one of the subjects that uh, very, very important and is considered one of the foundations of Islam. And although when you talk about foundation of Islam, people right away automatically start to talk about aqeelah or think about aqeelah. But believe it or not, there is something which is to preserve the aqeelah, preserve the salah, preserve the whole Islam. And this al-amr bil-ma'roof wa nahi an al-munkar. And you may call it al-faridat al-ghaidah. In most places and most and among a lot of people, this is the absence obligation among a lot of nations, a lot of Muslims. And this is called the weakness, the division among the Muslims, and the separation among the communities. And this enjoying the good and forbidding the bad. This chapter number 23 in the book Riyadh al-Saliheen, which is al-Amru bil-Ma'rufi wa nahyu an al-Munkar. And the good thing about Imam al-Nawi rahmatullah alayhi in his book, his presentation, he doesn't go about any explanation or go in any grammar or any authentication of nothing of this. Basically, like Sheikh Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahab rahmatullah alayhi in his book Kitab al-Tawheed, he brings verse from the Quran, verse from Hadith, and this is this is what Kitab al-Tawheed is about. Bringing the verses that match the subject and the hadith that matches the subject and put them together in one chapter. Imam Nawawi in his book Riyadh al-Saliheen, he mentioned about almost 250 some chapters. And basically what he do, he will collect to bring five, seven, ten verses related to the subject and after this he will bring the hadith that related to it. One last thing before I get to the subject that for those who have Riyadh al-Saliheen, that you should try to get, if it's in English, the, the Riyadh al-Saliheen, which is the version that's been published by Dar es Salaam publication. Because this is very good in the paperwork, the printing work, the, the comments, and also sometimes what something about authentication of the hadith. But if you're dealing with the Arabic version, now, because in Kitab Riyadh al-Salihin, like any other book, you will find a weak hadith. Okay? It's not that many, but there is a lot of, uh, there is some weak hadith. So you have to be careful. Therefore, we ask you that you should try to obtain authentication of Riyadh al-Salihin by Sheikh Muhammad Nasr bin al-Albani, rahmatullahi alayhi. Now, let's get to our chapter. Rabbi al-Amru bil-Ma'rufi wa nahiyu an al-Munkar. My job will be basically to try to translate, okay, I may add few words only to get the words facilitate for you to understand what I'm talking about. This is going to be a general and rough translation, it's not word by word, according my broken Spanish, okay. So, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said under this chapter, or related to this chapter, وَلْتَكُمْ مِنْكُمْ أُمَّةٌ يَدْعُونَ إِلَى الْخَيْرِ وَيَأْمُرُونَ بِالْمَعْرُوفِ يَنْهَوْنَ عَنِ الْمُنْقَرِ وَأُولَٰئِكَ هُمُ الْمُفْلِحُونَ This Surah Al-Imran Surah Al-Imran verse 104 Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said what the meaning is Let it be a nation or a group among you which they will invite the good enjoy the good and forbid the bad and indeed those are the successful ones Okay. Second verse. 
Allah Almighty said what the meaning is كنتم خير أمة أخرجت للناس تأمرون بالمعروف وتنهون عن المنكر this surah ala Imran verse 110 you are the best nation that been ever raised for mankind that because you enjoy the good and you forbid the bad and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said خذ العفو وأمر بالعرف وأعرض عن الجاهلين Surah Al-A'raf verse 199 Also said Surah Al-Tawbah repentance verse number 71 And the believers male and female are the awliya of one another the protector of one another the supporter of one another they enjoy the good and they forbid the bad and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala stated also in Surah Al-Ma'idah, verse number 78, That mean, those disbelievers, from the children of Israel being cursed on the tongue of the prophet David, Dawood, and Isa, son of Mary. That because their disobedience, they used not to forbid each other of doing the munkar, the evil, the wrongdoing, worse did they did. Qala al-Mu'allif rahimahullah, the author of Riyadh al-Salihin, may Allah send mercy in his book, in his soul, in his book, Riyadh al-Salihin, Garden of the Righteousness, chapter concerning enjoying the good and forbidding the bad. Al-Ma'roof, what is the definition of Ma'roof? This is obligation, which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala commands this Muslim ummah to carry it out. First of all, you need to understand what is this Ma'roof, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, be part of it, do it, carry it out. And what is the munkar definition of munkar that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says stop the munkar? Said, Al-Ma'roofu, kullu ma'arrafahu al-shara' aw arifahu al-shara' wa aqarrahu min al-ibadat al-qawliya wal-fi'liya But something called fard kifaya that means if part of the ummah carried out now the rest of the ummah they are not going to be punished for not doing it. As example, to give you example, praying Janazah prayer, praying Janazah prayer, sorry for this, I was not watching, it's not easy to be watching the internet and uh, talking and looking in the book, but I try to do a better job, inshallah. Sorry. Okay. So, now, if somebody dies in the community, if nobody go and process this Janazah, washing, rabbing, and pray, the whole Muslim community in this area will be a sinner. And this was one example that should present it to Brother Saeed as example when we're talking about the responsibility of the Imam, delegating obligation to the people, you see. So there is certain things that is not done by a group of the Muslim Ummah, so the whole Muslim Ummah will be committing a sin and all of them going to be questioned by Allah. So the farida and the obligation of enjoying the good and forbidding the bad is a fard, but what? Fard kifaya. That means the rest of the ummah will be exempt, will be forgiven, not punished, as long as some of the 
community carries away. If some of the Muslim Ummah or the Muslim community carries out, means fulfills this obligation, then the rest will be exempt. And if no one carries out and fulfills the obligation of joining the good and forbidding the bad, no, now will become obligation upon every Muslim and all of them will be committing wrong. As Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, how we understood this, that is not a farda'ayn, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, وَلْتَكُمْ مِنْكُمْ أُمَّةٌ يَدْعُونَ إِلَى الْخَيْرِ وَيَأْمُرُونَ بِالْمَعْرُوفِ وَيَنْهَوْنَ عَنِ الْمُنْكَرِ Let it be a nation or a group or a community among you. So he didn't say all of you, but he said, let it be part of you carry this obligation. To do what? To enjoy the good, to forbid the bad, and invite others to Allah, to the good, to Islam, to Allah. يَدْعُونَ إِلَى الْخَيْرِ دَعْوَةِ So it has to be a part of the Ummah to make da'wah. And it has to be part of the Ummah carry the obligation of enjoying the good and forbidding the bad. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala started with the da'wah to invite people to khair. And after this he said to enjoy the good. And after this the third one he said to forbid the munkar and the evil. That because inviting people to good before enjoying the good or forbidding the bad and in inviting the people to God is explanation and clarification to mankind about what is good. That means invite them to Salah, invite them to Zakat, to Hajj, to Siyam, to be kind and benevolent to their parents, and similar things like this. After this will come the duty of enjoying the good and forbidding the bad. So, first you say to the person, pray, as example. Or that you may, a person, take a person by his hand, stop in him and tell him, pray. So that you invite somebody to the salah, or that you take a specific person and you order him to pray. There is another stage which is to change, to change the evil. And this was the Prophet ﷺ talking about Whosoever among you see an evil or something objectionable to Al-Islam, let him change it with his hand. He didn't say, let him forbid it. Because this is another stage beyond forbidding. But the Prophet ﷺ said, if you could not use your tongue, that means change this evil or talk against it. And if you could not, he say, with his heart. So, from this hadith we understand, Al-Lisan Tongue is the stage of the tongue to forbid the evil. But if the tongue could not, the person could not speak, so he need to object this evil with his heart by disliking it, by hating it. Enjoining the good and forbidding the bad, he needs certain requirements. 
Number one, there's a person who invites the people or enjoying the good of forbidding the people from the bad, he have to be well known and aware and understand what is ma'roof and what is mukr. Because if you don't know what is ma'roof, how are you going to command the people with something that you don't know if it's pleasing to Allah or not? You may command the people to do something you're assuming that is good, is pleasing to Allah, but it's something wrong in Islam, it's haram, it's displeasing to Allah, and you don't know. So it is very important, the person who carries this obligation, to be learned, aware about that this is ma'roof, this from the things is pleasing to Allah, this is from the sunnah of Rasulullah wasallam. Also it is very important to know what is munkar, to know what is evil, what is objectionable to Al-Islam. So if you don't know, you could not forbid the people or stop the people from doing it. Because maybe, you enjoy the good that you assume is good, but is evil. And maybe you stop the people from something which you assume is evil, but is good. And by this, you will narrow the Sharia of Allah and make Islam hard upon the people. Some of our brothers that they have a lot of concern, what you call Hamas about Islam, okay? With good intention, they rush to certain things, but does not mean they are right. Why are you doing this or don't do this? They get so emotional about things. They want to do something right. But Hamas and good intention and getting emotion and excitement about things is not sufficient. As a result of this, they forbid the people from something which is mubah, which is permissible. Because they assume it is a munkar or evil. And by doing this, they make it hard upon the slave servant of Allah. As a result of this, it is your obligation, you don't command anything unless you know that it's ma'roof, and you don't forbid anything unless you're sure that is evil and objectionable. Number two, requirement for this obligation. You have to know that this person, you command in him, or you forbid in him, he is not involved or he's involved in such action. You could not assume that the person is stealing, that the person doing something haram, the person is not making salah. Do you actually for sure know that he doesn't know, doesn't make salah? He may pray in other mosque. Maybe for some reason he, he was traveling and just returned to combine his prayer in the traveling. Now you're telling him, how come brother he didn't come to the mosque? Astaghfirullah. You know that the event been called, we didn't see you. You see? So before you enjoy the good and you forbid the bad, you need to know that this person, you're talking to him, he is not doing this, or that he's doing something which is displeasing to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying, يَا أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا اِجْتَنِبُوا كَثِيرًا مِنَ الظَّنِّ إِنَّ بَعْضَ الظَّنِّ إِثْمُ وَلَا تَجَسَّسُوا Oh, you believe. Avoid suspicion. Avoid much suspicion. 
Because some of the suspicion are sin and don't spy. Okay? So, when you're assuming that this person doing this wrong or he's not doing this good, this assumption is not sufficient and this doesn't give you the right to go order him or forbidding him. As example, this person that you admonish him, he didn't come to the mosque, he maybe have excuse. Maybe he pray in another mosque. Maybe he have some other reason and you go and admonish him without knowing his excuse. There is nothing wrong to go and ask him. But don't assume and start to admonish him right away. You can go and ask him. Also and so, we miss you from the mosque. But for you to object right away, this is not right. And for you to sit in the gathering and talk about this person didn't come to the mosque, this is not right. This is not permissible. Because maybe the person have excuse or he pray in some place else. As a result of this, the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi used to inquire first before he order, as it came in the collection of Imam Muslim rahmatullah alayhi, when Imam, when Imam enter in the day of Jum'ah and the, the Prophet sallallahu alaihi was given the khutbah and he said, the man said, the Prophet sallallahu said to him, Asallaita, did you pray? He said, no. So here's the Prophet ﷺ questioned the man first. You see? So the Prophet ﷺ didn't order him to make two rak'at. Because the person, maybe, he already prayed, the mosque was crowded, he prayed two rak'at, and after this he found a spot, so he moved to the front. So you admonish him and tell him, get up and make two rak'at, he already made. So you build something on assumption, and this is wrong. So the Prophet ﷺ approaches the man first by questioning him. Did you pray to Rakat when he came to the mosque? Now when the man said no, now the Prophet ﷺ telling him to perform two Rakat. The Prophet ﷺ didn't order him to pray two Rakat before he asking him. Although that the appearance from this man that he didn't make the two Rakat. But like you say in, in America, he give him what? The benefit of the doubt. Okay? But the Prophet ﷺ, he gave him the benefit of the doubt because maybe the person prays the Turaqat and the Prophet ﷺ didn't see him or didn't pay attention to him. He was busy with his khutbah. He didn't notice that he made the Turaqat. The same thing about objectionable things. You are not supposed to object to things on a person unless you know that the person has committed such a munkar or such a thing. As example, if you see a man with a woman in a car, you could not go and talk in the community about I saw so and so with another with a lady with him. Maybe this woman, one of his maharim, his aunt, his sister, okay? Or maybe she's his daughter-in-law. All this maybe can take place. Unless you get to know 
that he had a woman with him that is not related to him, is not a mahram, a woman that is not supposed to be with him in the car. So it is very important that we know first about that this ma'roof, the person is not doing it before you order him to do it. And for sure you have to know the person had, had got involved in this haram before you admonish him and tell him stop what you're doing. Also, it is required from the person who enjoying the good and forbidding the bad to be gentle, nice, kind in the way how he admonishes the people or correcting the people or enjoying good or forbidding the bad. Because if you are kind and gentle in the way how you talk to the people, Allah will give you a better result than harshness. The result, when you talk to the person in a nice way, Allah will bless you as a da'iyah, as a person who enjoys the good and forbidding the bad, Allah will give you a better result when you're using kindness and gentleness, better than the result will come as harshness. As the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu said in the hadith, which is the collection of Imam Muslim rahmatullah alayhi, إن الله يعطي على الرفق ما لا يعطي على العنف. Indeed, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give a better result and give reward for gentleness more than what he gave for harshness. Perhaps when you became harsh while you're advising him, he will leave you alone. And he doesn't pay you attention. And maybe turn away from the good totally. But if you come to him in a nice way, this is a better chance for him to answer your call. It says that a story had took place, one of the people of Ahl al-Hisbah, okay, al-Muhtasib, what you call mutawwa in some places, or people who, this is their job. The Imam of the Muslims, they, he will be put people in payroll and pay them money for this job. When they see something wrong, they will correct it, or they will tell the people, follow or do this, or things like this. So one of those people that their job to enjoy the good and forbid the bad, in a time gone, he passed by a person. And the story, the sheikh will try to show how that the person was harsh. As a result of this, the person, he gave up and he left the long story. We tried to get it. But when he went back to his sheikh and told him, he told him, don't worry about him, leave him alone. I will go tomorrow and deal with him. So the sheikh, the next time, he went instead of this man from the hisbah, and he gave the person salam, and when is the time come for salah, now he's trying to say, what about you enjoy us in the prayer? You understand? Because there is no jama'ah here. If you pray with me, I can get more double reward and things. So he tried to present the matter in a better way. This is the summary of the story. The Prophet of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam saying what the meaning is, مَا كَانَ الرِّفْقُ 
Whenever gentleness in something, in any affair, it will beautify it, make it look better, nice. Okay? And whenever harshness comes in something, it make it ugly. Okay? In any affair, you try to deal with gentleness and kindness and try to be humble, it will make things better. The speech, the da'wah, whatever. But when harshness and ugliness comes in something, it make it bad. Another condition. When you try to get involved in this obligation of enjoying the good and forbidding the bad, do not do it knowingly that it will create worse evil than the one that you're going to remove it. Okay? So a person has to estimate what is going on, this evil, and if I stop this person from this evil, what else he's going to be doing? Now, I take this gambling, uh, what you call this uh, cards, game cards, out of their hands. So the next thing, now he went and watched TV, which can lead him to something else. So, because I say, brother, you're wasting your time, and instead of playing cards, you can be remembering Allah. Take this card and take it, throw it away. Okay. But look, now the person wants to occupy his time. You took the evil from him, but he didn't give him alternative. You see? So now the person tried to occupy his time, he wants something can be worse than playing card. Okay? So he said, al munkar ila ma So not for you to remove the evil, it will create a worse evil than this. This could not be. So if I'm going to remove a munkar, which creates a worse munkar than this, is not permissible in this condition to forbid this evil. That because if we have two bad things, or two evils, we have a choice that facing two evils, that we go for what? For the little evil. Give example to this, a man smoking cigarette. And you want to forbid him from what he's doing. But you know by taking him out of this gathering, forbidding him from smoking cigarette, will turn him for drinking wine. We understand that drinking wine is much worse than smoking cigarette. So in this case, we have to see how we can deal with such case before it brings about worse evil. It's been mentioned that Sheikh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah rahmatullahi alayhi had passed by a people who were drinking wine. The Sheikh Passed by them, he didn't say anything. Sheikh Ibn Taymiyyah, he passed by people sitting drinking wine. And the Sheikh been accompanied by one of his students. When the Sheikh saw the people drinking wine, he didn't disturb them, he didn't tell them it's haram, 
you're going to Jahannam, this is the worst come, a person drink wine, he's been cursed by the prophet, and all the, he didn't say, he say nothing to them. So he stood him, he was so surprised. And Sheikh, why you didn't stop them? Why you didn't admonish them? Why you didn't forbid them? He said, because if I stop them from drinking the wine, they will go and rape the women, the Muslim women, and they will be killing the elderly people. Okay? So leaving them, this is only they spoiling their own health. They only committing a sin against their own self. But if you take this wine from them, now they will go to their transgression against the Muslims. You see? So now you have to see you go to the lesser evil. The fourth condition. Some of the scholars disagree about this fourth condition, but it's supposed to be the fourth condition that the person who enjoining the good and forbidding the bad, he himself is practicing what he enjoying away distant from what he forbid. But that means as example if you're telling somebody, Achi, this haram you're not supposed to be smoking cigarettes, you could not be smoking cigarettes yourself. But the Sheikh is saying was Sahih and Nahula Yushtara. And the most assenting and reliable this is not a condition. For him to be able to enjoy the good and forbid the bad. That's because this person who doing a wrong, he's committing a sin in his own self. But, enjoying the good and forbidding the bad, it is another obligation. For you to do the good and to stay away from the evil, this, your obligation as a Muslim. And also in addition to this, you have another obligation to enjoy the good in others and forbid the evil that done by others. So it's not because you're falling in one sin that you add another sin to it. You understand what I'm saying? Because you are obligated with two things. That for you yourself to stay away from the evil. This is one thing. And you are obligated also to forbid people from the evil. So now if myself smoking cigarette and I'm not going to forbid other people of smoking cigarette, but you could not say, brother, stop actually smoking cigarette. Not you understand, maybe you're smoking cigarette in some place, but when you come, you understand, you don't have even, but you don't tell him, don't smoke cigarette, and you have this seat through clothes, and the bucket of cigarettes is showing, you understand. Say, brother, it's haram, achi. you're wasting your money, you're smoking cigarette. So, so what's this in your bucket? You see? But that means the person, he goes to the bathroom, you understand, once or twice a day, and he buffed, okay? For whatever reason, he said, get a headache, I try to give it away, but I could not, sometimes I get a headache, so I go and do it. But this is not supposed to stop you from seeing a person walking in public, in front of his own children, smoking cigarettes. You see? Otherwise, you're neglecting yourself, 
and you neglected the obligation of forbidding the evil, so now you're carrying two sins instead of one sin. You got it? Yes, please, so I can go to the Okay. But it says the nature of a human being that they don't contradict themselves. You see? They don't contradict themselves. They don't do evil in front of the people and be forbidding them from the evil because he will feel shy to say to somebody, don't do this while he's doing it in the same time. You see, is nobody going to listen to him or even accept what he's talking about. Something very important the Shaykh Rahmatullah Alayhi brought here, he said, ثُمَّ إِنَّهُ يَنْبَغِي لِلْآمِرِ بِالْمَعْرُوفِ وَالنَّاهِ عَنِ الْمُنْكَرِ أَنْ يَقْصُدَ بِذَلِكَ إِصْلَاحَ الْخَلْقِ وَإِقَامَةَ شَرَعِ اللَّهِ لَا أَنْ يَقْصُدَ الْإِنْتِقَامِ مِنَ الْمَعَاصِي أَوْ الْعَاصِي You see, this is very a point of wisdom. He said, the job, the person who carrying this obligation, الْأَمْرِ بِالْمَعْرُوفِ وَالنَّهِي عَنِ الْمُنْكَرِ not to be his intention and his aim to take a revenge from the people or to show them that how good he is and how bad they are and been doomed. Okay? But his intention, concern about a people, love for the people, how he tried to keep the people in the Surat al-Mustaqeen and establish and maintain the religion of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because If your intention is revenge from the people and showing how good, how bad they are, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala never going to put blessings in your da'wah, what you're trying to do. People are not going to pay attention to what you're saying. They are not going to care for you, you see. Because your intention is not sincerely for Allah. You're showing it to them, to, I'm, I'm on the main hajj. You are not in the main hajj, you see. So this is not going ever to reach to any heart. Why? Because was not your intention that you try to help the people. You try to show them how dumb they are, how bad they are. They are nothing. I am the only Salafi. You are nothing. You see? You are not following the Sheikh so all of you go to hell. You see, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala never going to bless his word. Not his order, not his nahi, his forbidding. You must be like a doctor who's his aim to treat the sick people because you want to remove this illness away from them. So when you do the obligation of enjoying the good and forbidding the bad, your intention is to establish and maintain the order of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and that the people get closer to Allah that you're concerned about them. So you be a muslih and salih. That means you be good in yourself and a person who fix the bad of the others. We beg Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make us all from those who've been guided and lead others to guidance. Those who are good in themselves and try to lead others to goodness. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the end of this verse it says, وَأُولَٰئِكَ هُمُ الْمُفْلِحُونَ We still only in one verse. We have about 10 verses of 15 
hadith. But I'm not going to kill you tomorrow, inshallah. Don't worry, okay? The Sheikh still explaining, explaining the first verse. It's so beautiful, brothers, I want to tell you one thing. And by the way, I didn't read it in a book. But for some reason, Allah opened my eyes to this word. When Sheikh Ibn Uthaymin died, Rahmatullah alayhi, Albani, you see, a word came to my mind that some people die so they can live. Some people get to be known after they die. Some people will get to know about their value after they disappear from the faith. From, from the earth. You see, with all these boxes that I have, I let, little bit I read. I was so involved, you understand, with other boxes and tapes like Sheikh, uh, Al-Albani, Rahmatullah Alayhi. Upon the death of Sheikh Ibn Uthaymin, Rahmatullah Alayhi, I start to look more to his books. And they start to see things, subhanallah. Now like almost, try anything written by Ibn Uthameen by. You can see that the wisdom, those people whom Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make wisdom coming out of their tongues, when they sincere in their work. And upon their death, this is another start for their life. Allah expands their life by their death. The good deed. And the next thing I want, for Hajj, I went to the library, I found 15 volumes of one of his books. I took the whole 15 volumes, brought it back. The next thing, next year I went for Hajj, I found another 7 volumes. I brought the 7 volumes. And by the way, you have at least 15 of them sitting there by Sheikh Ibn Uthameen in the library. You need to open the books. So all this, the Sheikh still only explained the first Number one in the chapter of Amr ibn Maruf and Nahi al Munkar. And he said the end of the verse, Allah said, وَأُولَٰئِكَ هُمُ الْمُفْلِحُونَ Those are the successful ones. أُولَٰئِكَ Those. Who are those from this ummah? Those who enjoy the good. Those who forbid the bad. Those are the ones who will win. They are the winners. And those who are going to be saved from any corruption or any fear. And when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, أُولَٰئِكَ هُمُ الْمُفْلِحُونَ هذه الجملة تفيد عند أهل العلم باللغة العربية تفيد الحصر. أي أن الفلاح إنما يكون لها أولئك الذين يأمرون بالمعروف وينهون عن المنكر ويدعون إلى الخير. Terminology means exclusive. Only those. So that means the only people who will be successful are the people who carry this obligation. Enjoying the good and forbidding the bad and invite others to the good. The second verse, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, وَلَا تَكُونُوا كَالَّذِينَ تَفَرَّقُوا وَاخْتَلَفُوا مِنْ بَعْدِ مَا جَاءَهُمُ الْبَيِّنَاتِ Don't be like those who been divided and disagree with one another after clear guidance had came to them. The Surah Al-Imran, verse 105. Allah forbidden dissension, disunity, after he mentioned 
enjoying the good and forbidding the bad. That means, when we neglect enjoying the good, when we neglect the obligation of forbidding the bad, this will be a leading of destruction of the Muslim Ummah and will lead to the disunity and the group. As long you maintain the obligation of enjoying the good and forbidding the bad, unity, solidarity, brotherhood will remain there. The moment that you stop enjoying the good and forbidding the bad, this will bring about distinction, about disunity. That's because the people will start to have a different information and different references and different resources. And this will bring them to this unity. So one person will make an obedience to Allah and person making the, another person doing a disobedience to, to Allah and another person getting drunk, another person is not making prayer. And this will bring about this unity among the Muslims. Everybody will be a different shape, different color, different direction. And Allah said, وَلَا تَكُونُ كَالَّذِينَ تَفَرَّقُوا Don't be like those. Okay? Allah is forbidding the Ummah to go to the same direction that other nations went to it. What was the direction? What is the, their destruction? What? It was separation, disunity, groups, parties. Then, لا يجمع الأمة إلا الأمر بالمعروف والنهي عن المنكر. Nothing will bring the Ummah together. Nothing will unite the Muslims except the obligation. Carrying the obligation and maintaining the obligation of enjoying the good and forbidding the bad. If the Ummah got together and forbid the evil and enjoy the good, if the Ummah got together to enjoy the good and forbid the bad, and they took the book of Allah, and the Sunnah of Rasulullah Sallallahu to be the guidance for them, by no means they can be disunited. And safety and security will be happening to them. As Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala said, الَّذِينَ أَمَنُوا وَلَمْ يَلْبِسُوا إِيمَانَهُمْ بِظُلْمُ أُولَٰئِكَ لَهُمُ الْأَمْنُ وَهُمْ مُهْتَدُونَ those who believe and they did not mix their faith with any injustice taken from other resources other than book of, book of Allah and the authentic sunnah of Rasulullah those who do this they go back only to the book of Allah and the sunnah of Rasulullah for them is the security and the safety and Allah said Al-Am and they are the guided ones in Surah Al-An'am Nowadays, the superpower, so-called superpower countries, and even the small countries, they bought their energy, their effort, 
to have safety and security. But a lot of Muslims, they did not pay attention to this verse. Allah said, أُولَٰئِكَ لَهُمُ الْأَمْنِ To those, they will have the end, the safety, the security. If faith became secure in the ummah and shirk been avoided, a total safety and security will happen to the ummah. I want to give you a simple example. It's so simple to understand, although it took place long, long time ago. In the beginning of this blessed Ummah, the greatest person among them used to sleep in the mosque by himself. Walk in the market by himself. Doesn't scare or afraid from anybody except Allah. Look as example Umar ibn al-Khattab. May Allah be pleased with him. He will pile a little pile of sand or pebbles in the mosque, make it like a pillow and go sleep on it. No guard, nobody guard, no gun, nothing. He doesn't need anybody to watch over him. Not in the market, not in his house, not in the mosque. That because real iman, no shirk, this gives the people safety and security. He is the head of the Islamic State. He is the Khalifa and go inside the mosque with nobody and buy a little bit sand and make it available sleep. Very simple. Walking in, 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 in the marketplace, nobody guard. And this is the head of the Islamic State. The writer guided Khalifa Gan, and after this, the time of the Banu Umayyah, okay, came, and some of those Khalifa of the people of Umayyad, they deviated, deviated from what is supposed to be from the manhaj, from the sirat al-mustaqeen, from what they're supposed to be in. Now, revolution, corruption, interruption, trials, temptation, fitan, and khawarij, and the evil spread there. After this, the time of Umar ibn al-Aziz, Umar ibn Abdul Aziz, May Allah be pleased with him. So safety and peace came back again in the land. And the people started traveling and go and come with no problem. But, with the decree of Allah that it didn't stay for too long, and the Khilafah of Ibn Abdul Aziz, gone, was two years and few months. Therefore, what I'm saying, look now. Safety and security is not by how many bodyguards, how many soldiers, how many women. But how you guarding the limits of Allah. 
सेफ्टी एंड सिक्योरिटी और इन दिस वेर्स व्हिच इज सूरत अल अनआम वेर्स नंबर 82 الذين امنوا ولم يلبسوا ايمانهم بظلم اولئك لهم الامن وهم مهتدون those who believe and they did not mix their iman with any shirk for them will be the total security and peace after this the author imam an-nawawi rahmatullahi alayhi he mentioned another verses related to al-amr bil-ma'ruf wa an-nahi 'anil munkar which in surah at-tawbah verse number 71 saying and the believer male and female are the protector the awliya the wali of one another close friend of one another protect one another care for one another help one another supporter of one another what is their quality they enjoy the good they forbid the bad and establishing the prayer they give the zakah they obey allah and his messenger indeed ulaika sayarhamhum allah inna allah aziz hakim those allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will send mercy on them every muslim every believer he have to look after the other believer assist him help him give him victory so look to this verse concerning the believers he said rahmukallah the believers male and female are the awliya of one another and concerning the hypocrite he said al munafiquna wal munafiqat ba'dhum min ba'd the hypocrite male and female are one from other but they are not awliya they are not awliya of one another but the believer are the wali of his brother as a result of this he enjoys the good and forbids the bad in this verse we understand that obligation of enjoining the good and forbidding the bad is not only exclusively for men but women also are obligated to enjoy the good and forbid the bad but in the field of women among the women men with men and women with women so not in the gathering of men not in the marketplace of men that a woman will go and try to change the evil but in the gathering of women as example when women gathering together in a wedding or she is in her school and of course he's talking about in his country because when they have wedding there you will find 500 women okay together in one place there is no even one single man all right and the school there also found 2000 girls in one school this is what he's talking about this nothing but a female so in this gathering a woman can be enjoying the good and forbidding the bad as in number some of the women they will be exposing some of what is supposed to be covered okay they consider that this okay nobody there except women 
So they can be wearing any kind of stuff. Or they can be playing music. Okay, because say, okay, this is wedding. So, a woman in a gathering like this, she can say to the other women that this is not supposed to be, this is haram, and the Prophet ﷺ had forbid these things. So there is a field for the woman also to carry her obligation as a Muslim woman. After this, the author of Riyadh al-Salihin, Amiyam al-Nawawi rahmatullahi alayhi, mentioned the verse, لُعِنَ الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا مِنْ بَنِي إِسْرَائِيلَ عَلَى لِسَانِ دَوُودَ وَعِيسَ بْنِ مَرْيَمْ ذَلِكَ بِمَا عَصَوْا وَكَانُوا يَعْتَدُونَ Those who disbelieve, been cursed. Those who disbelieve from the children of Israel, been cursed. On the tongue of Dawood and Jesus, son of Mary. Why? Why have they been cursed? That because their disobedience and their transgression. اللعن هو الطرد والإبعاد من رحمة الله والعياذ بالله. Because by Allah that means they've been kicked out and put out of Allah's mercy. And this doesn't happen unless that a person commit a major sin. Children of Israel are the children of Yaqub, the son of Ishaq, son of Ibrahim. So Israel is a laqab, or is a title for Yaqub, or a nickname for Yaqub, son of Ishaq, Ibrahim. Ibrahim alayhi salam, he have two children, Ismail and Ishaq. Ismail is the older son, and the one that Allah had commanded Ibrahim to sacrifice him. After this, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had blessed him and removed this burden. And Allah gave him, instead of this, a ram to sacrifice. As for Ishaq, he's the second child of Ibrahim from his wife. But Ismail was from the right hand with this, which was Hajar, may Allah be pleased with her. So the children of Israel are the generation that came from Yaqub, Jacob, son of Ishaq, Zayq. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent a lot of messengers to them, but they transgressed. They killed some of them with no just cause. Also, from their transgression, that they did not forbid each other from the munkar, the haram doing. Some of them used to see the other doing the haram and they didn't say anything about it. And we understand that the story of the people of the town or the qarya, Hadirat al-Bahr, is so famous. As been narrated in the Quran, with some people of the, among the Jewish, Allah forbids them to hunt or to fish from the sea in the Sabbath. So what they used to do? Allah tested him in the day which is the Sabbath, a lot of fish will come. But other than this day, few will come. So, they get tired of this pit. 
We said, let's find a way how we can catch the fish and not to break the law, not to be catching the fish in the Sabbath, but we're still going to get the fish. So we said, we're going to put our nets in the sea, and when the fish will come, the nets will hold it back, it could not go through, okay? So, someday, the service is gone, so someday, we will go and what? Catch, take this fish from behind the net. So, they did this. Some of them admonished the group that did this. And some remained silent. While some, they carry out this plan. So, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala punished them and said, كُنُوا قُرَبَةً خَاسِئِينَ Surah Al-Baqarah, verse number 65, Allah said to them, Be a monkey. Apes, Allah turned them to another kind form of creation. So they turned to be monks, to be uh, monkeys. The children of Israel, those who have transgressed, Allah turned them to a form of monkeys. What is important is this, that some of the children of Israel, Israel, they did not admonish those people who bought the nets, to tell them, now you're playing tricks with the law of Allah, you could not do this, this is haram. So they became part of the curse of Allah. As a result of this, Allah said, on the tongue of Dawood and the tongue of Isa ibn Maryam, that because their disobedience and their transgression, So these two prophets, first and the last, the one who in the beginning, which Dawood, and the one who is the end, which was Isa alayhi salam, they had cursed those people from Bani Israel. Those who did the munkar, and those who did not forbid them, or gave them a word of advice, don't do this. And this shows us the obligation of enjoining the good and forbidding the bad. And we have to understand from this verse, neglecting, forbidding the bad, it will be a means and ways of the curse of Allah falling on the people. We ask Allah's protection. I'm going to try to skip the rest of the verses to at least to come one of the hadith and I'm sure sorry to going to make it short because the time and also before you wake up and you know that I'm still here so
ایکشن اور اسمشن اور سم بی بلجسم دس از ناٹ انف فور یو ٹو میک ریولیوشن اگین از دا خلیفہ اور دا ہیڈ اف دا اسلامک اسٹیٹ نمبر 2 دیٹ یو شور اینڈ یو نو دیٹ دس از کف ناٹ افسک ناٹ ا دس اوبیڈینس ناٹ دیٹ ہی از ڈوئنگ سم تھنگ حرام ایز ایگزامپل اف دا امام اف دا اسلامک اسٹیٹ ڈرنکنگ وائن committing adultery and fornication taking the property of the people it still is not lawful for the army or the people to fight against them and to try to throw them out of authority but it has to be a kuf and a clear cut kufr you see there is a difference between disobedience ma'asiyah sin and kufr So if the Khalifa has been naked women dancing for him and he's sitting drinking wine and has this little boys and the massage on his feet like they're always telling you about the stories of Al-Filayla Walayla or was this thousand nights and one night and they try to give you the image of the Khalifa that nothing but half naked women dancing for him and young boys massaging him and he's drinking the wine playing the music even if this happening this is not enough excuse for the ummah to be rebellion and they try to take over because the result that comes out of this is worse the bloodshed that happened and the killing that will take place is much much worse than a man like this be in authority number three kufr dawah a clear cut book kufr disbelief a clear disbelief that is clear like day and night okay you can say this is a day or a night you can say it's a sun or a moon see how clear it is if you look you will know this is a moon because it's Two o'clock in the morning, you could not say this is the sun. Okay? So you could not say, brother, I think I understand this Amir or this Imam, I understand he's saying this, this, no, he said it has to be a club, clear cut, black and white, kufr. But if there is a ta'wil or a possibility that is not kufr, or some school of thought that is kufr and some others they said is not kufr, this is not enough for you to make a revolution so you did not go and try to snatch the authority let's say as example that one of the leaders of the Muslim said to his people today I make wine lawful for you you can drink as much as you can drink like until you be like what you call okay This is a kufri tawah, no doubt about it. Now, the ra'iyya, the government, or the people who are governed, uh, have the right to remove him by all means, even if no means except to kill him. They can do so. That because this is a kufri tawah. Number four, it said, عندكم فيه من الله برهان. 
that means you have a clear cut evidence but if the evidence is faggy this is not enough for you to make a revolution okay so this is a four condition for people to take their bay'ah back and to be against the imam or the khalifa or to have a revolution to be against the khalifa now the sheikh is saying that also for these shurut shurut al-jawad or lujub but you have to keep in mind that you as individual or as a group or as a, or as a party you have the power and the ability to remove this man from his chair so if you do not have the power to remove him now you are throwing your own soul in destruction because if we know that this wali or this imam or this khalifa it have a kufr and it is clear and we have the evidence everything but you could not go fighting him with a knife he grab it from the kitchen and he have tanks and machine guns and all the things it doesn't make sense this means that you want to kill your own self not to kill the khalifa okay so you have to have the proper means and planning for removing this fire yes he's kafir yes he have dalil from Quran and Sunnah yes 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 all the things but who is you and now some of you is asking today about some individual who's making a fighting, making war, making this and making talking in behalf of the Muslim Ummah and who do you have? who do you have? even the kuffar and so-called Muslims, the Muslims are united together against you doesn't make sense you have to know when and how to play this to be able to carry your plan so don't go carrying a bucket knife grab a knife from the kitchen to fight somebody somebody with tanks and machine guns because this means this destruction to your own self we have to find a means or a trick or whatever to get him out of authority when there is the right time now this will bring us to talk about what is the right of the walis over us and before this we want to let the people know also what the right over the khalifa okay because this is something very important the people will understand it they have to understand it and you have to understand that wilayat takhtalif that imam of the mosque has a certain qualification different from the person who's going to lead an army okay and according what's required from the person 
is going to be the qualification. But this will bring us now to another subject and I think it's going to be dragging us to something else. So I'm going to have to stop here, but I will close with the hadith of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam without going too much details in it. The Prophet said, whosoever among you see something objectionable to Al-Islam, that Munkar, let him change it with his hand. فَإِن لَمْ let him speak against it. If he could not, let him what? Hate it in his heart, and this is the weakest state of faith. So all of us are obligated in some sense to change the evil. But some people have the ability to change it with their hands. And this can be in a different office or a different scenario. As example, with my child, it's different from somebody walking in the street. Somebody in the street, I have no relationship with him, have no authority over him. If my son going to be drinking wine in my house, and I'm not, I'm not going to say, oh, oh son, this is not good for you. It doesn't work like this. It's good you can advise him, you can give, but if it comes about, he's not going to stop. Say, hey, you see this door? Okay. You can hit the door or forget it. Alright? You want to be in my house, under my roof? Now, you could not. You have the right to take the bottle and break it. You have the right to kick him outside of your house. So, in some situations that you have the ability to do it with your hand, now you could not go to your tongue. Now you could not use your tongue in a situation which deserves a hand and you have the means to change it with the hand. Okay? But in a situation that you could not use your hand, it's not relative, you don't have authority, and if you try to use your hand, it will bring more harm to you than the benefit. As example, I can go to food line now, take a hammer, and go in a five minutes break about 10, 15, 20 bottles, okay, of wine. And they will die in 911, they come back me, but now my picture in the newspaper, and now telling you about the terrorists and the Muslims, this is the first thing, a, a damaging reputation of Islam. Second thing, putting me in jail, and now my wife has nobody to take care of her, and my children. So now, how much evil you brought yourself, and your family, and Islam, and the society, because you won't change this monker. So, this is another subject. How far you can, and with who you can do with the hand, but if you could not do with the hand, Allah has given you another means. So don't neglect it completely, because they say, oh brother, this is a kafir country. It's a kafir country, but your family is kafir? Why your wife is not wearing hijab? Why your mother is not making salah? It's a kafir country, what about the family? You see? With your father, maybe you could not slap him, because he's your father. But can you talk to him? And after talking with your father many times, they say, listen, you talk to me one time more, you're out of this house. You don't have a job, you don't have anything to go, what are you going to do? Now you're going to be homeless? Now you hate it with your, with your heart. 
You hate what your father doing with your un-Islamic behavior with your heart and now you already took enough. Now you hate it. You see? So we have to apply this rules according to the situation that we involve. So what require a hand and you can do it with hand? Don't talk against it. Do it with your hand. What require the heart? Don't try to talk against it. And what is sufficient to talk with the tongue, don't try to use your hand. If you're going to tell your son Salah, and by go, not making Salah, you're going to hell fire, and the Prophet says this and that, this is going to change this evil. Why are you going to slap him? Why are you going to beat him up? You see? So now we need to understand when to apply this system of Amr bil Ma'roof and Nahi an al-Munkar. Maybe inshallah in another class we can go in more details about it. It has a lot. But basically, with knowing a little bit about this subject, I was concerned about introducing to you some work that you should be eager to know about it. The work of Sheikh Muhammad bin Salih al-Uthaymeen. Especially those brothers who know to read Arabic. You got about 17 volumes sitting inside your library. And you know what? For those who could not read Arabic, you need to catch some of those brothers who read Arabic. Say, brother, what about once a week we can sit only 14 minutes, read something for me and translate. Oh, brother, this is not too much. This is not the English. I study chemistry, but this is... Say, brother, you can translate it to me to the best of your ability. There is a way that we can learn. If we consider, we will... If there is a way, there is a way. Okay, if there is a will, there is a way. Alright? So, if we really concerned to learn, we can learn. Okay? Because this is what will make us the best, or the good, or the chosen one, if you want to use this term. What? Why? You are the best nation been ever raised for mankind. Why? So, Nuna Billah, you enjoying the good? تَأْمُرُونَ بِالْمَعْرُوفِ تَنْهَوْنَ عَنِ الْمُنْكَرِ وَتُؤْمِنُونَ بِاللَّهِ That because you enjoy the good, forbid the bad, and believe in Allah, and we still have three minutes and sixty Oh, not really. Okay, three minutes and sixty seconds. That means four to close. Yes, brother, Dr. Yusuf. وَإِيَّاكُمْ question, you are not supposed to depend on a alim because there is alim 
Okay? The problem that happened recently in America and Canada and England and these places, because some people try to get the people under so-called sheikh, one sheikh, and everybody else is nothing but a trash. So, we were not wise enough to learn the trick. Okay? And Allah said, فَاسْأَلُوا أَهْلَ الذِّكْرِ إِن كُنْتُمْ لَا تَعْلَمُونَ He didn't say, ask sheikh so-and-so in the country so-and-so, and don't ask anybody else. This also that we are not learned enough, we are not paying enough attention to understand our deen. Second issue, that we don't understand the Quran in our own. We go to see how did the Sahaba understood it, and Ibn Abbas radiallahu anh had explained this verse, he say, this is kufr, do not kufr. Okay? This is a list of kufr, is not the kufr that takes the person out of the millah of al-Islam. Unless, he will say, this nothing, this is a trash, and the French law is much better than Quran and Hadith. But if he's done it, because he's scared that he will lose his position, and things like this, this is a different story, and Allah knows this. But let's assume, okay, that is a kufr. Who has the means to take over? You don't. Because the kufar, and those kufar, the kufar from the kufar, and the people who want to call them kufar, that both of them are together. And who's saying, we're only sitting talking. So it's not the time to do it. Last question. Okay, nobody? Alhamdulillah. So, Burhan? Huh? Fadala. Me too. No, no, it's not contrary because you understand you, you, you took a nap while I was giving the explanation about it. See, Akhi, first of all, if what he's doing is a clear cut cough, if it's yes or no, give me the answer, yes or no. Let's give anyone. Hold it, hold it, no, 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 excuse me. The answer to this question is yes or no. Let's assume we have a Khalifa. And whatever he's doing, is a ma'asiyya disobedience to Allah or a kufr? Which one? But he is in the authority now. Okay. He is in the authority. He's bad thing. No, he's going kufr or ma'asiyya. Okay, Akhi. Yes, you're supposed to forbid evil according your means. Okay? 
you forbid the evil according to me. Is there any other evil exists other than the ruler that we can do something about it? As example, me wearing a ring from gold, is this not an evil? Me shaving my beard, is this not an evil? Me is not coming to Jama, is not an evil? Can I do something about my own self? What about my wife? What about my daughter? What about you understand my income? So, now we have to jump from a mountain or we are not going to jump. Okay, there is other hills and there is other places that we can make a jump for the time being. So we can still forbidding the evil according our means. He is a kafir. And we dislike and hate what he's doing, is it? So you are forbidding the evil. You're hating it with your heart. You see, this is part of the... Why? Because you could not do anything. You don't have the means. And if you have the means, you will take over. But you don't have it. So what are you doing? Now you're hating it with your heart. You're doing something. As long as not a kofr. Okay? As long as not a kofr, yes, you have to obey. If he say that you're going to have to pay a hundred dollar every year tax, you better do it. No, 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 one by one, please. Huh? Yes, you are obligated. If he's in a charge and he command you, because basically, listen, if you don't do it, you know what he's going to do. He's going to grab you and put you in jail. So what? So it's better for you to save your life and do it. Until Allah make a way that we can get rid of him. <laughs> we already cleared it. We already cleared it that there is no obedience to any human being in the disobedience of Allah. Okay? But if you tell me that I have you understand to watch in front of the mark and it's raining outside, I have to. Whatever. I have to crawl in my stomach and I have to crawl. Alright? But we don't want to get so stuck to this ruler. Because the evil is full. Me and you, most of us. How many of us have TV? Don't raise your hand, please. So, well, we don't talk about our own houses. Or we have, you understand, to carry machine guns to be a mujahid, uh, or others that this one are not going to do anything. We can do a lot of things of changing evil in our own self. Command yourself, command your family with the good. Your relatives, you have a lot of relatives who don't make salah. Is it? No, we have to talk about the ruler and this. We'll be stuck. We are not going to finish talking the ruler and... You keep focusing about the ruler, never even to improve yourself. Of course, this is part of their, their punishment. You will get similar people over them. Yes. Brothers, we appreciate this opportunity and special thanks for everybody that live in or part of Clemson area. And we appreciate the hospitality and I hope still some of this nice stuff I watch people who have been going there and eating from the trade that I was going to take some of it. But maybe, inshallah. 
Finally, again, don't forget to read this flyer about the camp. And we still have a few copies of Sufism. If you want a copy, drop some donation. We accept any donation. Zakum la khairan. Subhanakallahumma bihamdik. Nashadu an la ilaha illa an. Nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk. Special thanks for those people who uh, been behind the computer making sure that the website uh, working and uh, people hear the lecture. Very, very thankful uh, for your assistance. Zakum la khairan. In conclusion, we ask Allah that He brings you benefit through this lecture. For more information, you may contact us through the following address. The Islamic Propagation Office, Rabwa, P.O. Box 29465, Riyadh 11457, Saudi Arabia. Phone 445-4900. Also, 491-6065. Fax, 497-0126. If you would like to listen to more beneficial lectures, feel free to visit our website at www.islamhouse.com. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.